0: Welcome to Your Sales MBA, the podcast where your hosts, sales experts Jeff Hoffman and CeCe Aparo, answer your most challenging sales and management questions. Let's dive into this week's episode topic. Have you ever had a prospect give you attitude? Has a customer ever told you off? How do you handle someone who is downright mean? We're talking about how to best handle those occasional a-hole prospects on this week's episode of Your Sales MBA.
1: Hello sales friends. Hello Jeff.
2: Hi Cece.
1: This is Your Sales MBA, the podcast where we answer every single one of your sales questions at every stage of the sales funnel. Class is in session and today we're helping Ian handle whatever people are throwing his way. Ready? I'm ready. All right, Ian writes to us. I says. haven't
2: read these, you know. I, I, people ask me, "Have you read these?" You're so smart, Jeff. <sighs> I mean, your ability to come up with these answers on the fly—so insightful. I, you know, it's a gift. I've not heard these before. Oh, it's right. the first time I'm hearing Ian's question. It is something truthful. Yeah,
1: you've never, you've never seen these emails before. Yeah. Allie and I read all the emails that you guys sent to us, and then we pick which ones we think are going to make the most sense for the podcast. But honestly. We love every single email we get. <laughs> there are emails we lo- Allie, we love laugh out loud when we're reading these emails yeah, because I- these are questions that we've had. Allie and I have been yeah. in sales ourselves for 10 years. So these are things we face every day.
2: Just like it makes me happy if I send an email to a prospect and they say, yes, I will take your call. When we get emails at the podcast at sellhoffman.com and we get to read through these questions, it is so thrilling to us that there is at least... At least Ian listens to us. Yeah. We know that Ian's out there. So I, I love it. I'm I'm just so honored that you're sending these questions to us and I'm happy to do my best to help you.
1: So keep them coming. But uh, first, Ian. Okay, Ian writes, Where's hi Ian there. From? Where's Ian from? Ian's you know, from New York. I
2: want to start telling everybody okay. where they're from.
1: All right. I like it. Okay. Ian's from New York. Okay. Uh, and city? we only know that because we did a little stalking. Is, this, is
2: it city or New York State?
1: I think New York City. It says the greater New York City on his LinkedIn. Okay, cool. Thanks, Ian. For letting us talk, you too. (laughs) Okay, he writes, hi there. I recently attended your prospecting workshop and wanted to ask a follow-up question. Ian, first of all, thanks for coming to the workshop. We love it. And
2: thanks for the plug.
1: (laughs) He writes, how do I handle a mean prospect or customer? I know that people have bad days, but I find that it really throws me when someone's downright rude, especially if I've been working with them for a while. Why are people mean and what do I do about it? (laughs) I mean, this is the realest question you could ask because it doesn't just apply to sales. This is real life.
2: If I can break down your question, Ian, I think you'd probably have a good chuckle at what it was, which is, why don't people like salespeople? <laughs> and I think that's kind of what you're asking. But um, yeah, man, this is this job is hard because we're paid not on the yes, we're paid on the no. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes are, are, is, is the bonus for our job. No one's getting paid to get meetings. You're getting paid to get abused by people who won't take your meeting. Right. That's why this job is so hard. But that doesn't discount the fact that it still hurts. And, and we're still people and we have feelings and it's hard. To go to a job where people literally will tell you, get out, or I don't like you, or I don't trust you, or I don't believe you, or just be just kind of nasty in general. I don't know of many jobs that you have to endure that. I do. Uh, I can think of one.
1: What's yours? I have one. What's Uh, yours?
2: A meter maid. Oh,
1: that's Is that politically correct? No, it's not. Allie,
2: is that politically correct? You're shaking your head no. No. What, a meter person?
1: Meter person, not a meter maid.
2: Parking. Parking meter attendant. I know one. Then. That's a long word. That's a long
1: the cable company, customer set, service. I think
2: you Oh, I like that one. Cap, cap that's uh, yeah. Because
1: you could be on the phone with that for them with hours. They did nothing wrong, but you're just pissed because you don't have your cable or your Wi-Fi. Mm. Oh,
2: Yeah, Wi-Fi IT, that's in there. That's you hate to see it happen. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I I digress. So anyway, what about us? What about us? All right. So I think if I heard his question right is what should I do about it? Yeah. All right. So let's answer the question. What should I do about it? Let's start with the obvious. You can't make people nice. So that's not going to be your position. But what you can do is a couple of things. It makes a lot of sense knowing that no matter how carefully you marshal and plan your day, the around-the-corner, angry, unhappy prospect-slash-customer could always reveal themselves. And it makes sense that they often can because everybody has bad days and everybody has bad moments. But who in the world is easier to take it out on than the sales rep who just called you? So I always assume that when people are inappropriately angry or weird, that this is probably has something to do with, something that has nothing to do with me. And I'm an easy person to kind of blast it out at because I'm the sales guy in the room. So a couple of things that you want to do, Ian, to kind of arm yourself a little better to this kind of feeling. First, be really, really conscious of your own, we used to call these things biorhythms, but, but really your own energy levels. When are you at your peak and when are you at your most vulnerable? I'll use myself as an example. I'm a, uh, traditionally, I've just always been a morning person. I get up very, very early. I generally wake up with tons of energy and this energy will last for me well into lunch. But once I get into lunch, I tend to fall quickly. And somewhere around mid-afternoon, I am junk. I spend all my energy early. If you didn't give me a watch and you didn't give me an alarm clock and you didn't give me my delicious IPAs from my good friends at Treehouse, that is an unpaid for sponsored <laughs> plug. If you take away all those things, I am certain I would naturally wake up at 5 a.m. and go to sleep at around 7 or 8 p.m. Because it's just my, my, my clock. So I make sure that I coincide or select the sales activities that make the most sense by my energy levels. So I am probably most capable of handling rejection from cold calling at the end of the day. Why the end of the day? Because when I've got a lot of energy and I'm getting a lot of no's, it's gonna hurt. But when I get a lot of no's at 4 o'clock in the afternoon when I'm an hour and a half from driving home anyway and I'm already tired and I already had a decent morning, the no's or the difficult customer becomes less troubling to me. So for me, I like to leave those difficult conversations at the end of the day. I almost always have difficult conversations when I say difficult, difficult Customers or prospects, I generally move them to the end. I'd rather front load my day with excited, happy, enthusiastic buyers because that's where I am. Do you do the same kind of thing around the day?
1: Yeah, I am. I'm a morning person. I'm like you. you, you And I crash and burn. I mean, right after lunch, one o'clock, two o'clock, it's like the day might as well be over for me. My husband's the complete opposite though. Really? He is not a morning person. He is an afternoon and evening person. The ying to my yang. Ah. But he is also in sales. And I found that he has started to do something kind of similar. And I think it's something that we just naturally do. So we figured out how we can readjust our behavior and our activity so that those angry, cranky prospects aren't affecting us as much. But what about the customer? What about the person that you are end of the deal cycle with and they start getting cranky with you or someone that you've been working with for maybe two years that all of a sudden sends you a nasty gram?
2: That's a little trickier, and obviously we don't want to give advice on things that are probably more important that you're thinking about the specific relationship itself, because every relationship's got its own kind of thing about it. But this is what i found in in my career and in my experience. The biggest resistance that we get from prospects and customers are in what I would call the bookends of a deal, the very beginning and the very end. makes a lot of sense why. In the very beginning, any revealing the prospect has about interest or urgency, is probably going to be stifled because that prospect is deeply afraid that on the first interaction, if they say, I'm actually interested, I am curious, that the sales rep will then start a sales process and bug the hell out of me when I'm really just kind of starting. So there's lots of resistance from prospects early. But there's equal amount of resistance from either people you're working with, or even existing customers at the end of the deal. Why? Because now all this conversation is leading to, I have to make the decision to buy or not. And you can say, well, what's the big deal? I mean, they they did all their research, they did all their homework, and they've decided I'm going to buy or not buy. Why is that such an emotionally charged moment that they're going to be resisting to me? Well, many won't, but some will, and some will for very real reasons. Let's say they don't want to buy. If it's late in the sales process, the logical question would be, if it's if they don't want to buy and it's late in the process, why haven't they told me they don't want to buy a month ago? Why are they still going through procurement? Why are they still doing a second trial? Well, that's a really good question, and there's a host of answers for it, but my guess is that most of the answers are a poor reflection on your customer, not you. Maybe your customer was never really authorized to search for this, or maybe your customer didn't realize that another group had already made a similar purchase and they were going to be taking advantage of that relationship, or maybe that customer didn't, didn't know that their budget had been slashed. All of these things would reveal that they had made a mistake, and customers do not like telling salespeople that they made mistakes. Mm -hmm. So now this customer has realized that this work I've been doing is wasting not only my time, but the time of this rep. And over the last three weeks, I have not been honest with this rep. In fact, I've been pretending I'm going to buy because I'm kind of embarrassed by this or I don't know how to bring it up. But now the rep is asking me for the business, actually asking me to sign the order, which I can't do. And I have a real explanation, which is this deal died a month ago. I'm embarrassed and I wasn't very confident in my handling of it. So you would think that that would lead that person and then say, look, I really screwed up. I should have told you a month ago, I found out we didn't have the budget for this. But do you really think a customer is going to use those words with you? Nope. No chance. So if you are caught in a lie and you have no good way out of it and you get mad at yourself, how long will it take for you to pivot that anger away from you and toward the person you're lying to? Two
1: seconds.
2: And if that person's in sales? Even faster. (laughs) Exactly. So the truth of that should, I know that sounds horrible. No, the truth of that should give you comfort that this is a natural part of sales and negotiation. It's called impasse, it's real. This thing, it's moving, it's moving, it's moving, and then all of a sudden, it feels like it hits some immovable object. Knowing that's an inevitable part of this process is, is one element. But the other element is this, stop worrying about how do I handle an angry or mean customer, and ask yourself a different question. The question is not, how do I handle the difficult customer? The question is, what would be an indication and an opportunity that this guy might get mad at me later? That will at least get you to ask the right questions in the middle of the deal so you find out that they doesn't have any budget. Forget the anger. You'll save a month of wasting time on sales. You
1: know, Jeff, you taught me something a long time ago. It was probably eight years ago now. You said something to me, and I do not even think it was about sales. I think it was about a, a real-life personal issue I was going through. You said, "CC, that sounds like a them problem, not a you problem. And it sounds like what you're telling people is this. When people are getting angry, it's not because of something that you did nine times out of ten. It's about something that's going on in their life in that moment, something that they did wrong. So it's a mindset that we should all adopt. Yeah.
2: The expression I know that we use a lot here internally, we share it with reps who meet us and, and and other folks and our clients, there's some real truths that we hold on to here at Hoffman about about how sales is that i think many people forget and one of those concepts is that everybody we believe everybody wants to be heard. Mm. Everybody wants to be heard. And whether that's happy thoughts or angry thoughts, everyone wants to be heard. At the end of the day, the easiest way to deal with someone who's venting an emotional moment towards you is to listen, not to judge, not to wonder how it affects you, not to wonder what you did to cause it. And worse still, not to take some of that anger along with you and then share it with the un- the poor, unfortunate soul you meet in 15 minutes, which very likely is why you're getting some anger from this customer, because maybe they had a bad experience with another person three minutes before your call. Instead of trying to figure out how this impacts you, just listen to how this anger is impacting them. If people believe they've been heard, their emotional intensity will drop. And their anger will drop if they believe they've been heard. But if you are quick to try to fix a problem before that problem has been vetted and gotten the oxygen it needs to start to heal, then all you'll do is have the customer swallow the anger and you'll find it reveal itself later in a really weird place because you can't stifle anger very long.
1: So what's the one phrase that people should have at their disposal, ready to go when they get an angry customer or prospect on the phone? What should they say to them?
2: Great question. So it's actually the opposite. It's what you shouldn't say. So, th- what you do not want to do when someone, when a customer, or frankly, anyone in your life is upset with you mm-hmm. and telling you they're upset, don't interrupt them. And the following things are considered interruptions. Mm hmm. Yes, I see. That makes sense. I see we feel that way. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, all those little utterances while they're talking will. Make them insane and their anger will continue to stoke. If you want that anger to come from rage to displeasure, which is a lot easier to manage, let them get it out without anything from you. So what I always advise is when you get an angry customer on the phone, your first thing to do is not what you say. Your first thing to do is what you do with your index finger, and that's hit the mute button on your phone so you don't say, great, understood, makes sense, thanks for sharing with me. All you're going to do is shut up. Let me tell you what happens with angry people. I'm going to role play an angry customer and tell me how realistic this sounds, and I would like you, CC, to take that advice, like, we'll start it, and once I get going – don't say a word and let's see what happens. I know we're making this up, but I think you'll all kind of get it.
1: Okay, let's time into the role play. Hi, Jeff. I just got your email. How can I help you?
2: Yeah, I'm not happy, Cece. Outrageous. We've been talking for three months, and I had no idea that the the renewal on this deal was going to go up 20%. I don't think you've ever gone up more than 5% on a renewal. This is completely out of line, completely out of my budget. And the fact that we've had three conversations while you knew very well that I was going to have to pay 20% more next year without telling me, I think that's crappy. And I think that's deceitful. And I'm angry. I mean, seriously. I mean, I, how, you could have brought this up. I mean, you know I'm going back to the CFO and getting money for this new project. Now I have to go back and say, I need more money for the existing renewal. You knew I was doing this. You could have told me. I mean, I, look, I know you have a lot going on, but you gotta be thoughtful when you're working with me. I have a lot of cooks in this game. All right, time out. Ask yourself as I'm doing this. Does this sound kind of like how it goes? Oh, yeah. What happened to my pitch, volume, and intensity after each break, I gave I gave a couple of sentences, you greeted me with silence. I gave you a few more sentences, you greeted me with silence, I gave you some more sentences. Those buckets of sentences, what'd you notice about how I spoke?
1: Each time they got a little softer, the words became a little bit, I don't want to say nicer, but they weren't as aggressive as they had been in the in the previous bucket.
2: No question, because anger and rage requires energy. Mm-hmm and I'm making this person spend it early. The first bucket I said, this is bullshit. You just call
1: me crappy. And I said,
2: crappy. Yeah. And I said There was a second one I think I said dece-. Was it the first well, one I, I said deceitful? So I hit you with crappy deceitful. This is the angry customer that our listener is asking about. Yeah. I'm being that person. But in the second bucket, I brought up the fact that, we're talking about this other deal, And it's putting me in an awkward position because now I need more money than I thought I needed. Mm -hmm. And we've been speaking a lot. So I'm revealing that first bit, I'm angry at the price. Second bucket, I'm angry that you weren't straight with me. Third bucket, I'm angry because I have to deal with my CFO and it's difficult. And you're not making my life easier. You're making it harder. So guess what happened? Not only – to the customer vet and the energy and the intensity went down. But it was only on the third bucket could CCU have really learned why I'm upset. It's because I have to go back to the weld to my CFO again. I don't like doing that. So it's the silence, not the words, that's going to write that ship, in my opinion.
1: Okay, Jeff, before we go, what is one thing that everyone should do today that will increase their sales?
2: Okay. what I'd like you to do, gentle listener, is as you're uh, driving into your work uh, office of employment or maybe you're listening on the commute home on the ride back and you'll do it tomorrow morning. But take about five minutes and I want you to find a customer that you closed last quarter, last quarter, not this quarter. So at least six, eight weeks ago, a customer that you closed a while ago and haven't spoken to since they've onboarded. And call and ask. You want to have a conversation with them with one question. The question is not going to be how do they like the service or how's the onboarding going or is it everything we promised it would be. I want you to ask this question. CC. first, I wanted to thank you for, uh, for your business last month, but there's been something bothering me that I wanted to ask you if you don't mind. How can I help you? Well, I want to get better at sales. And I thought, who better to talk to than people who bought from me? Tell me one thing I did during the time we met Where I screwed up, even though you bought it anyway. You ask that question of an existing customer and you're going to find out more about what you're doing wrong than anyone else. Don't ask people who haven't bought from you why they didn't buy from you. That's like asking someone who just broke up with you why
1: it's not you
2: it's not right of those what else are you going to hear so the idea that you didn't take my meeting and my boss wants to know why you really think you're going to find out the answer but if you ask a sold customer on something you did wrong that they overlooked think of the power i'm giving you think of the vulnerability i'm i'm offering myself and i said it was all because it's i want to ask you because I want to be a better at what I do. I'm entrusting you, CC, my customer, with my career. I mean, could that be a more generous question? And what you hear from that customer is exactly what you stink at. So listen with big ears. I think your pipeline is going to get an immediate improvement from it.
1: I like it. Thank you so much. And happy selling, everyone. Happy selling. Don't forget to send us your questions to podcasts at sellhoffman.com.
2: As well as any birthday presents.
1: (laughs)
0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Your Sales MBA. If you have sales or management questions, feel free to send them to podcast at sellhoffman.com. That's podcast at S-E-L-L-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.com. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe. It helps boost us in the ratings so other apps, like you can find us. Until next time, happy selling.